Freedom HealthWorks is the direct primary care accelerator. We help doctors across the country start fresh in direct primary care. With Freedom HealthWorks, you work with a team, not a checklist. Visit FreedomHealthWorks.com and together we can achieve true freedom in direct care. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. I am your host, Christopher Habig, the CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks, accelerating direct primary across the United States. Today, we have a very special guest coming uh, fresh off of an election win, Congresswoman-elect Victoria Sparks, representing the Indiana 5th District. Congresswoman, first off, congratulations on your election to the United States House of Representatives. Have you been able to catch your breath uh, from the campaign and was a really hard-fought victory? Yeah, well, thank you for having me, and I'm happy to be back. Now, you know, I, I was on your show as a state senator, you yep. know, and I told that all problems are coming from the federal level, so now I'll have to fix all these health care issues. You know, that's the reason I decided to run for Congress. But, um, I, you know, it was a very uh, challenging year. It's a lot of a lot of politics, but hopefully we can get to working on policies. And, you know, now we're working on transition, and it's very you know, you have just a little bit over a month to put your operations together and, you know, setting up congressional offices, you know, it's really like starting a business. So it's a lot of work, but we'll get it done. Yeah. And you got a great team behind you. And I know you wanted to set up offices in each county that represents you. And, and you have quite a diverse constituency from some of the poorest counties in Indiana to some of the richest counties. Yes. How are you able to get messaging across to everybody and, you know, really put your best foot forward to really fight for what's best for your, your constituents? Well, I think, you know, as always done, you know, I think the best solution and ideas, you know, coming from ground up. So I want to be present in the districts and I want to have good functional offices in the district. And it's a very diverse district. It represents it's really a snapshot of America. You know, I have urban areas, I have suburban areas, rural areas, I have the richest county in the state of Indiana and the poorest county in the state of Indiana. But I think this brings a good, valuable uh, sharing of ideas and best practices and opportunities for us to collaborate more and bring some innovative solution maybe that people in rural area didn't have an access to, you know, to, to bring to a different level and put together different stakeholders. I just had a meeting today with some Hamilton County business people that were involved in a lot of innovation in Hamilton County and I said, I need your help now in Grant and Blackford County and Madison County. So we have to get it done. And I think they're very excited because they understand that we have to work on that. So I think that I could be a great help to these areas. And I want to be a good help because we have a lot of needs. Yeah, and that really resonates, too, because you have an incredible kind of rags to riches story growing up in Soviet Ukraine. And um, healthcare has been something that has been very near and dear to your heart. Uh, before we get to that and kind of those free market principles that, you know, you really, uh, you really blast out there and it's been a hallmark of your messaging. I want to talk about the campaign just a little bit. And you and your family went through a lot of negative attack ads. And I, I couldn't believe some of the ones I, I saw. And, you know, they, they say Victoria Sparks is a devout communist coming from the Soviet Union. I'm thinking, holy cow, there isn't somebody on this earth who understands the free market power and you know, loves the United States <laughs> kind of experiment more than you do. What was that like for you and your family? I mean, was everybody able to get through that okay? Were there some tough evenings? Well, you know, as, as any human being, you know, you, you know, it's not very pretty and it's not a good experience, you know, and the attacks became so, so nasty in politics anymore. And that's why we have 
a lot of good people don't even want to do it. But uh, sometimes, some days, some stuff I read it and look at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, what I got myself <laughs> into. Gosh. No, I mean, seriously, like slashing everyone's healthcare with a combine and heartless, cruelest of all. I mean, like, I have a fan club of 10 year olds who want to take pictures with me because they were getting a lot of ads against me. And I'm like, this is terrible. Uh, but then I go back sometimes and think like, okay, you know, I took my kids to the beaches of Normandy a year ago and we went to the American cemeteries and a lot of these young boys and you look at crosses, very young boys died for our freedoms. You see through generations how many people died for freedoms. I sit down sometimes, Victoria, you cannot be that weak. A lot of people laid their lives for that and you cannot just be that upset. So, you know, you get yourself together and think it's okay, just politics gets through and, you know, you, you cannot get it too much under your skin and you have to be on track and have to continue campaigning and be positive and optimistic. And sometimes just looking how much people sacrificed, you know, it made me, makes me stronger. And some looking how much people believe in me and trusted me. And people that, you know, I've you know, never been chosen by the establishment of my party or political elites. I've been always chosen by people on the ground in every race I ran. So how much real ordinary Americans, how much faith they put in me and believe that I can, you know, get it done for them. It makes me like, okay, I cannot let them down. I just have to be strong and you push yourself. Yeah, very motivating there. You mentioned about politics just being very divisive right now, and it is a very, very toxic system and a very toxic environment, I will say. But you always build yourself as, you know, I was just a suburban mom who got upset enough to actually do something rather than just complaining about politics. You decided to get involved. So, you know, I always say, you know, kudos to you for, for taking what you had a very successful business career. And you said, you know what, I'm actually going to make a difference and go into politics and actually become um, you know, somebody that is, there's working to put solutions in there. There's a lot of people out there who probably feel very disillusioned by politics and saying, what am I supposed to do as just an individual? But you went out and made a difference. Well, and I think that's what politicians want. They, they, make, they want us to get so upset and then we get disengaged, you know? So when you're upset and don't like something and if you want to change, you need to get engaged because that's how you can make the difference. You know, we can all complain about things, but if we want to change, get inside of the system that you want to change, whatever the system you don't like, whatever policies you don't like, it be part of it because then you can really influence it and then bring solutions and, you know, and become a voice. And a lot of times people underestimate how much power you can have as an individual because people are so reluctant to be involved. <laughs> so it's actually very easy <laughs> to become influential in any area, in any cause, because very few people are active. So if you're passionate about any cause, politics, some nonprofit cause, any cause, and you can become part of it and become willing to put some energy, you'll become successful in any cause you have. And I think that's important to understand. And also we're a country where people truly believe in the power of the people. And, you know, I'm a great testament to that because it's just something that people believe that someone shouldn't decide on top how we're going to live. And Americans by and large, you know, still believe in that, you know, and you can see that they don't want political elites and government on top 
telling them how to live. And we still have majority of people. If you look in these elections, even the House, you know, we were able to advance some seats in the U.S. House and mm-hmm. running on freedom and free enterprise, good policies, and even suburban district. I think the other side was very surprised that they're not ready for socialistic agenda. Yeah. They, you know, they were very disappointed, but I'm actually pretty happy to see that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It it, uh, it was a crazy election all the way around. Um, that is for sure. But you know, Republicans picking up seats in the House was something that's quite a surprise. And and you know, honestly, like you weren't projected to do as well as you did in the district either. So either either polls are something that are antiquated nowadays, or people are getting to the voting booth and saying something else on surveys. Who knows what's going on? (laughs) Well, and plus polls have a margin of error, right? So you have plus five, minus five. But generally, I think when people start thinking, you know, they might not like personality, might not like that. But then people, when they start pushing that button and start thinking about their children, their future, their 401ks, their jobs and uh, security and safety, at the end, they look now, we probably should vote for our future and for good policies. And Republicans really brought a lot of good policies to this state. So I'm very happy to see that, you know, we were successful. Yeah, speaking of the state level, when you decided to announce your candidacy for for Congress here, uh, you were working a lot of really cool healthcare reforms within the state of Indiana. And, you know, like you said, ruffling some feathers because you wanted to do a lot, you know, for you working with you in the state house, um, like we did, it wasn't just piecemeal approaches to reforms. It was let's rewrite the entire thing. Let's do it right now, which I love that approach to it. Things like anti-competitive policies and practices amongst hospitals, basically reining in non-competes for physicians is something we worked on, mandating hospital transparency, which I I actually just got our final bill for uh, my daughter's birth and the hospital billed the insurance company $42,000 after telling us it was only $6,000. And I'm like, this is the definition of a surprise bill, right? Um, what other kind of initiatives do you feel like are left open at the state level? Do you have any unfinished business that you're thinking, dang, I really wish we could have gotten these across the finish line? Well, I think there are, we made some, you know, um, good uh, legislation, you know, to improve transparency and competition on the provider side. We have some more to do, but I also think we need to look at the insurance market and see how we can reform insurance market to have more accessible insurance to have more flexibility and choice uh, and provide better value for people with chronic and pre-existing conditions where it's up to the doctors, you know, and individuals, what kind of treatment they get. There is some value on because we treat a lot of symptoms, but really don't have a comprehensive approach to treating a lot of chronic diseases. And it's not the best approach. So how we can structure the system and we have an ability to do it through some, um, you know, state control, um, you know, programs like Medicaid. I think Medicaid has to be improved. And I think Indiana just got a waiver to have a more fle- for 10 years to have more flexibility on Medicaid. But I think state can do more, become more innovative and to provide more value and consumer choice in Medicaid, a particular long-term care. I think long-term care is broken in our country. And if you look, majority of people who died from COVID-19, they were in nursing homes. So I think we have to reform that. We have to do a better job. 
and be innovative in other parts of healthcare. So I think that has to be done. We have to make sure that we protect Medicare for seniors, but also provide more accessible choice. We've legislated association health plans for farmers here, but I would like to have more options. Uh, more options of flexibility in direct care. I think we should just have more competition in the market and federal government can provide the right framework for states to innovate better. Right now, it just controls so much power that states do not have much flexibility. If I want to have a good plan for people with guaranteed renewable, right? And I should have, you know, as a state, I should provide people protections. So in case if they get sick, insurance companies should be able to screw them and suddenly charge them crazy rate or drop them from insurance plan. But right now, state cannot design any plan with guaranteed renewable. It's all under Affordable Care Act, which became so unaffordable, even former Vice President Biden calls it Biden Care now because he like doesn't want to put his name on that, Obamacare. <laughs> you know, so it became so unaffordable that it's bad, but the states cannot innovate. States should be able to innovate. There are a lot of prohibitions. And I think if we put uh, the right policies, the federal level still will do it. And I think I'm glad to see, you know, then the state of Indiana, we have people that are willing to work on this innovative solutions and we can get it done. Yeah, and I know we're trying to make Indiana kind of the center of the direct care movement too, showing that free market principles really do work in healthcare and that people can access great care at a very affordable price. I mean, it is not rocket science, like you said, but we need government just to get out of the way. Like you said, build the framework. Don't try to put one size fits all solutions uh, in there. And eliminate maybe some perverse incentives too. We have so many perverse incentives in education or healthcare, everything we touch. What it does, it creates those large monopolies that controlling, you know, the markets. We have just lack of competition. That is the biggest problem we have. But government takeover of healthcare you know, it's, it's, it's a solution to control price, but it's fatal to quality and innovation. And especially if you are sick, you know, you really will feel the pain and it will, will be disservice to people that have health problems. I mean, it's expensive for healthy people, but it's pretty bad and could be, you know, you could die if, you, if you're a sick person or if you have some diseases that, you know, you know require innovative treatment. It's just, you know, it's bad for innovation. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and we always see, because we work with doctors across the U.S. and all 50 states, and pre-existing conditions, which is always the hot topic phrase for any type of insurance reform at the federal level, that is a construct of insurance companies. It's unbelievable. No doctor walks in and says, well, my diabetic has a pre-existing condition. I'm going to charge you $200 rather than $100 you know, in a direct pay scenario. So it, it is this fabricated kind of outrage um, that we now have to be saddled with. And it's all about headlines at this point. Right. It's all political talking points, whatever sells and how people can be brainwashed <laughs> to and sells political propaganda. It's just unfortunate. I mean, there's no one talks about policies. And, but I think we need to communicate better to people. And it's difficult and complex issues, healthcare, but we have to figure out how we can communicate better because I think free markets will bring more value. And government has a function to provide legal framework to protect people. We have mm -hmm. to. And in some areas, you know, in high-risk pools, we have to help to subsidize these pools to make sure that people can get affordable, but also good health care. Not just, you know, the health care that can build, bring value. 
that something that has an outcome-driven, value-driven healthcare, not just fee-for-service volume-driven healthcare, which just as long as you're not dead, <laughs> as long as you're coming back and I can keep charging you whatever the insurance company or my bureaucrat decides, you know, not necessarily it's maybe the right treatment for you, but yeah. you know, that's what I get paid for. So you're going to get the treatment. It's just crazy. Uh, yeah. It's, it's kind of funny. You mentioned perverse incentives. And so within that fee for service volume driven, like you said, the incentive is to keep that person sick, but not dead. It's not to cure them. There's no insurance right. billing code for, for curing yeah. somebody. Right. No. Yeah. You mentioned the ACA earlier, and as we speak right now, um, the ACA is having another day in court. Where do you see this one shaking out, discussing the severability of the law? Um, basically, two scenarios that you know, kind of want to pick your brain about, that the ACA stays intact, and how does that affect your work? And then on the flip side, if the Supreme Court says, oh, the ACA is gone, what do we go from there? Well, I think, you know, it's, I, I would say, and I don't want to, you know, on behalf of the court, it's very hard to tell, you know, who a court is going to be, but there are a lot of people, originalists in that court, who are reluctant to overturn some major laws, and they would probably would take more narrow approach, maybe to eliminate some parts of the law, not the whole law. You know, that, you know, would be probably, if I have to guess, but you never can guess, right? So, right. and I'm not right. a legal they, scholar. They've surprised us before. But whatever it is, you know, I, I truly believe this is not a function of the courts or even executive branch to legislate. So I think Congress needs to get the act together, drag different stakeholders to the table. And sometimes you have to drag them <laughs> to the table to make them work because they're all fighting with each other right now. And I get it. And they're very powerful. You know, but we have to understand that we're all in it together and try to work on some policies because the solution should become from Congress. And also Congress should allow states to have more flexibility to innovate, not put so many restrictions, you know, and states should have a choice then to innovate at the state level because state governments are more agile, closer to the people and much faster in getting things done. I mean, federal government took over a decade to do criminal justice reform and it meant to be kind of dysfunctional and some ways so they don't make, don't create too much harm right, you know, so, right but generally this is not you know we can set up right framework like tax framework like right legal framework maybe the framework so we have better cross-border competition and have um more competition in the market protections, better protections, more transparency at the federal level or tax transparency, reporting transparency. So the list, you know, the, because there is a lot of conflict of interest everywhere and all of these intermediaries and stakeholders, we can do that. But let states also have a flexibility to be innovative if they want to do. And I think a lot of providers also should have an ability to innovate, you know, and we have so many rules and restrictions that people are, you know, I mean, right example, why physicians cannot own hospitals? I mean, why, why, why the government should decide that? You know, that's not the government decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, you should have innovative models of delivering care and they should, and they will be very helpful for people and states will do it. So hopefully, you know, we get through this election and I, you know, it's, it's a difficult right now, you know, how it's going to everything play out. We have a big fight in the courts, right? Not in the courts, in them standard right now but you know so but no matter what i think everyone realizing that obamacare is just expensive and it's not working as well even maybe some people thought it would so 
Yeah. I think it's unaffordable. Everyone understands that it has to be fixed and they're going to be pushed to more government control and government takeover. And uh, Republicans have to come up with good solutions, how we can you know, have more competition to deliver better value. I'd be happy to work on it. And if I can find people from the other side that have the same ideas and ideals, you know, we'll try, we'll try. But from what I've heard, I haven't heard them that they really, they feel that, you know, government is the only solution to all problems and it's unfortunate. Yep. Expanding that safety net and taking yeah, people's to- choices and freedoms away. This is like, come on, let us, let us go, uh, you know, go back to free market principles, supply and demand. Let us, let us choose our own path forward and vote with our dollars. And I think people, you know, I mean, from something individual, like healthcare or education, it is the worst, you know, place to centralize decision-making and power. I mean, every health condition is so different. Each of us has so many different things. So it should be us, the doctors, the only one who are deciding what is the best. I mean, education and healthcare, you cannot centralize it all. You know, I mean, it's just like, unbelievable we're so unique as human beings and so, something so unique to centralize and the you know at the top level to make decisions and treatments and rules i mean it's just one of the worst areas that's why we have such a bad outcomes now in our education and healthcare is getting that way because it's getting more and more centralized yeah yeah absolutely i mean those are the two industries that we're always saying these two industries are ripe for innovation they're right to be just completely remade but there's so many roadblocks from a legislative standpoint and look at education, just the amount of loans and money are out there. Of course, colleges can become more expensive because there's just a finite supply, but everybody's going to college. So that's basic economics. Right. And, and, and the incentives are very perverse. You know, I just had the meeting that was my another passion in education. We have to become more innovative or we're in trouble. Okay. We yeah. have to become more innovative in education. Yeah, it's funny. We talk about in the show too, kind of on that education one as we apply it to physicians. Um, you know, we hear about physician shortages a lot and, and the people that understand what's going on see, no, 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 there's not a physician shortage. It's a residency training shortage, right? Where Medicare dollars are paying for residencies and they're tied to levels 20, 25 years ago. And so it seems like there's a lot of common sense that, you know, reforms that will extend to both sides of the aisle um, you know, I mentioned residency position, uh, residency positions, more funding for that, more larger aggressive ones are decoupling employment from health benefits. We've heard that idea out there. And then obviously a lot of health savings account expenditures, but you know, how do you envision reaching across the aisle in such a, such a time of vitriol and again, toxic political speech? Well, just kind of to follow up on what you said, health reimbursement accounts, it actually could be a great benefit which will allow a lot of employees to have flexibility. But we have to fix individual health markets so they can buy, you know, affordable health insurance. And I think that's important to, to revamp that, the, you know, the, one of the points. But it's also, you know, to bring, you know, from, from a standpoint of healthcare, healthcare became a wage suppression in a lot of ways too and became so expensive for employers. So I think this is a big thing that has to be fixed and has to happen. But I, I mean, there is a lot of politics and, you know, I haven't been working in, in D.C. politics, but I can tell you even from my state politics and, you know, at the end, most elected officials still want to bring results and they still want to deliver value. It's a very hard job. It's a huge honor, but it's a huge responsibility. So hopefully, you know, even on the other side, there are still some people that believe in, um, you know, 
helping people and believe that, you know, we, we are the country of opportunities and bottom-up approach, and it's not going to be happen solutions and to see, and we just have to provide the right tools. So I, you know, I, I always want to be optimistic, okay? I have to be optimistic, and I'll try to do my best to find common grounds, maybe even narrow scope of issues. Even, you know, uh, in the healthcare, I came to my colleagues and you know, in the committee to pass my bill, I saw my Republicans colleagues said we couldn't vote for your bill unless you have some Democrats voted for, for, mm-hmm. for your bill. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's so political. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I don't have the vote in the committee, the Republican controlled committee. So I came to my Democrat colleagues and I, asked, and I asked them, I said, listen, we can do a lot of drama on the floor. And I understand, but I need your vote in the committee. It benefits people you represent and I represent. And I would appreciate your vote. And I got unanimous vote in the committee. And it's not, they were not actually from moderate Democrats, <laughs> but, you know, I said there are some things in that bill that actually President Obama and President Trump agreed on. Okay. So, yeah. so I said, you know, there are some things that we can agree on. Let's move the needle, you know, and we'll debate and fight about other stuff later, you know, so at least we can move in the right direction. So I think trying to develop relationships with people and try to uh, work and find common causes, I think it's important. And even if it's on a small and narrow focus because we'll never agree on the large, always agree, but that's okay. I mean, this is what the greatest thing about uh, freedom of debate in our republic. We have a right to debate and that's okay. As long as we want to get something done at the end, not just for the sake of drama and debate. Yeah. Not just scoring political points and political victories. And, and, you know, when, when um, we help pass a lot of legislation saying, Hey, direct primary care uh, does not fall underneath insurance regulations in the state, there wasn't a single Democrat or Republican that voted against it. So here's something yeah. that is like, okay, you know, having people be able to call a trusted physician, be on speed dial, it's starting to gain momentum for sure here, not just with Freedom Health Works, but with people outside of it. You know, I, I mentioned before that uh, Texas Rep uh, Dan Crenshaw has really been picking up that baton and working with it. So we've got a lot of great people and, and working on it. And I know that you're very well versed in that world as well. But, you know, it always comes down to the question of are people – American citizens willing to do their research and learn that what we have right now is not a free market healthcare system. There are ways that we can make very common sense reforms to go that route rather than just going full board a single payer. I mean, that's all we hear about, right? It's either what we have now, which is the closest thing to single payer in, in a monopoly in healthcare that we've ever seen, or push that forward and just have an absolute monopoly in healthcare. I'm like, I, I don't know how that narrative became to be. And people just forgot about the normal supply and demand. Well, I think, you know, I'll be honest with you. I don't think most Americans do want it. I think Americans are just very frustrated how dysfunctional our government became. And just a level of frustration uh, reflects and people just getting like mad and one way or another and just say, okay, I don't trust anyone and anything, you know, at least just do something, you know. So I think it's just generally... People are very upset because we have some challenges on the ground. We have some challenging issues that have been effective, affecting our society for some time. And there is a lot of talk and bickering and fighting and nothing gets moved because it's hard, right? It's much 
easier for a politician to do a lot of talking points, you know, raise money and then destroy your opponent and put any lie you want, then actually get it someone done because if you get something done, you know, you'll have someone unhappy, right? <laughs> if you do nothing, you just can blame other side, the side. But if you get something done, somebody would have to get a little bit, you know, kind of, you know, it's like in the contract, I was always saying, you know, if both sides, if one side is very happy, other very unhappy, usually it's not a good contract. If both sides are a little bit unhappy, but happy enough to be vested in that contract, it's usually a good agreement, right? But you'll have a lot of people in, you know, in big politics that like my, my, my way, highway, right? So, you know, so they're very powerful and put a lot of pressure on um, politicians, you know, and then, like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get a headache, right? They'll be after me and they will make put it in the ads and I'll well, be destroyed. There is destroy so, their lives. You know, yeah, exactly right. Just, yeah, so a lot of politicians just they just have to become brave and sometimes it's hard, but people need to pay more attention too, not disengage, because when people get disengaged, people need to get better informed and just vote for people who represent them and look into them, meet with them, take time to get to know them, not vote for the party, just vote for the person that rep who represent them. And if they don't represent them well, regardless if they like the party or not, they shouldn't be voting for them. If I'm going to stay there for 50 years and I'm not, okay, don't, <laughs> no, that's not my plan. But if I've been there for a long time and keep promising you that something is going to get done, just get rid of me, please. You know, just don't, you know, if I haven't, if I cannot get anything done within short period of time, you will not be able to get anything done later on just because it's so hard. It takes so much of your energy. And as a human being, you have so much energy you have and, you know, and you just don't have as much energy after being 10 years somewhere. You just don't, you know? So I think you are most productive. And when you start any cause and if you're not able to get it accomplished, try someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what people need to do with politicians, you know, just replace them with someone else. Yeah, to totally agree. And, and, you know, you recently spoke to uh, one of Freedom HealthWorks Physician Forums here um, a few months ago, and you really were urging physicians to become more involved in politics because one of your main messages was you guys are on the, on the ground level here. You see what's the actual like, implementation of these policies. If you don't get involved and start changing things, other people will do it for you and they will be bad results and then lead to record burnout, physicians leaving like crazy. Is that a message that resonates to physicians across the country and even you know, nurse practitioners, PAs, that they have to get involved and they have to care or else somebody else sitting thousands of miles away is going to do it for them? Well, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people wait until politics hits them in the head and then they're like, oh, my gosh, what's happened? You know, and they don't understand that, you know, it will eventually if they don't get involved. And if they want to have good solutions, they have to be part of it because, you know, I am a type of person, if I want to deliver any solution, I'll engage with people on the ground because that's, I believe, where innovation and knowledge happens, you know, so I value that. And I spend a lot of time meeting with experts in each area and even people with opposing views just to understand an issue. You know, but that is enormous amount of time and energy to do it. Not every politician does it. So if you want to be part of it, but most of politicians are very, they actually like that. You know, but you just have to reach out yourself and become very active. Then you can help to shape the policy because 
Politicians are not the superhuman beings, okay? They're like, you know, they're not made of special clay, okay? They're like normal <laughs> people with, you know, like one of my colleagues said, we are ordinary people with extraordinary responsibilities, okay? Yeah. So, you know, we're just normal people that like have enormous amount of tasks on our plate and we will react to a lot of things based who we hear the most from. So you have a lot of special interest group that will be there for you will try to be very active and some of them very aggressive, some not. And it's good. They, they're important, right? They're important to listen to their opinions. But if some groups don't get involved, you know, you have other seat at the table or on the menu, right? Or you're on the menu, right? If you don't have seat at the table, you're on the menu. So people need to understand that if you want your voice to be heard, you get engaged. And elected officials, um, you know, very good. Most of them that I know will actually meet with you and listen to you because they really want to do the right thing. Most people don't go into politics and say they just may be lazy, but not, but not necessarily they don't want to do the good thing. You know, they want to be known as someone that they accomplished good and brought value to their constituency. So they will be very good and they will listen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's going to be it for our, our time today. So uh, Congresswoman uh, Sparks, thanks so much for taking time to uh, revisit us here on Healthcare Americana. It's been really great to see your journey. Um, and we look forward to really following a lot of what you're doing in Washington and, and wish you the most success uh, too, because you know we're fully behind a lot of the reforms, a lot of the experience that you bring, and hopefully you can make a very positive impact for everybody. Well, thank you so much, and I appreciate your interest, engagement, and time. We now, since I promised to fix healthcare, I better figure out how to, to do it, you know, and it's not an easy task, but I truly believe we have a lot of smart, good people that are really committed to get good reforms and, uh, and right type of thinking, so I think we can get it done. We just need to uh, get stronger and, uh, and, and move the needle a little bit at a time, but comprehensively, not ad hoc. So I look forward to uh, working with people involved in your groups and any other people that are interested in healthcare. I would encourage them to get in touch and uh, work on policies and be active. And we're going to deliver some of the best healthcare that ever existed, you know, because I think our country is very innovative. And uh, I think with all of the things that happening, with technology, with everything else, I think we can have a really amazing healthcare and very affordable and accessible and for a lot of people. So I look forward to working with you and I appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. We are not short on ideas. And, you know, I love one of your messages was that health insurance does not equal medical care. Even healthcare does not equal medical care between a doctor right. and a patient. That's so. right. There is a difference between health insurance and medical care. And we shouldn't, we consolidate and merge too many things together. So we have too much consolidations happening with everything. So we have to understand that it's interesting because, you know, big, uh, big monopolies and big companies are used to, you know, help to reorganize them. And usually when they say, okay, things are not working, they start to spin off and understand that you have core function and mission and you cannot do everything very well. So usually in any other industry, you see people get specialized to deliver more value, better price. And healthcare, now we have this huge monopolies controlling more and more. So it's interesting to me that why, why do you think the law of economics is not applicable to healthcare? It seems like it's applicable to every other industry. So it should be applicable to healthcare too. And it will be better value if we have more competition on that. Right market. there, right there with you. Victoria, thanks so much again for joining us here. I'm your host, Christopher Habig. For more information about direct primary care, visit freedomhealthworks.com. And for all of our past episodes, visit healthcareamericana.com. Thanks for listening.
There comes a time when the man of the house must take charge. Family planning is a tough conversation for many, and at Happy Dad Vasectomy, we understand that decision isn't easy. When your family is complete, our no-needle, no-scalpel, no-stitches procedure will give you peace of mind about your family's future. Happy Dad Vasectomy conveniently books appointments within two weeks of calling and has locations in central and northern Indiana. Visit happydadvasectomy.com to learn more. Happy Dad Vasectomy, the easiest part of family planning. Healthcare can be complex. If you're managing a chronic or life-threatening illness, Patients Rising is here for you. We built the Patients Rising Concierge to help you navigate stressful health decisions and get the support you deserve. You will find personalized support by calling, emailing, or visiting our website. Our team is standing by to help with your unique situation. Find the help you need today at patientsrisingconcierge.org. Health insurance premiums are rising faster than actual medical costs. And employers everywhere are struggling to keep their heads above water and take care of their amazing team. Most people will never meet their deductible in a given year. So shouldn't there be an alternative to health insurance for people who don't really need it? At Custom Benefit Solutions, we build better benefit solutions by pairing local, direct primary care options with affordable medical cost sharing plans. This creates affordable options for America's small businesses. These companies are able to save money and provide an actual primary care doctor that'll take care of your employees and their families. Employees enjoy getting the care they deserve without struggling with confusing co-pays or deductibles. Want to learn more? Go to custombenefits.org and talk to a team member today. Custom Benefits Solutions. We solve for care. New Era Health Plans brings a unique solution to health insurance. We offer private insurance that allows you the freedom of choice of any doctor, any hospital, anywhere. New Era offers modern, flexible health insurance, life and supplemental, Medicare and education resources. We are a national agency licensed in most states. New Era emphasizes educating our clients and helping people make smarter decisions that deliver value and peace of mind. Our plans allow our customers to save 25 to 50% each month while providing transparent health benefits at a price that actually makes sense. New Era Health Plans is committed to providing the best service to self-employed business people, individuals, and families. We are an endorsed vendor of the Free Market Medical Association and believe in the power of free market medicine. For more information, visit NewEraHealthPlans.com. New Era Health Plans, modern, flexible health insurance plans. New Era Health Plans, Inc. is an independent field marketing organization representing Philadelphia American Life Insurance Company. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.